Welcome to the Freshman Foundation Podcast, helping you make the jump from high school athletics to the collegiate level and beyond with your host, Michael Huber. How has former professional baseball player A.J. Murray used persistence to achieve success on and off the field? Even the most decorated athletes can struggle when transitioning upward to higher levels of sport. Often, an athlete that is a big fish in a small pond in high school can become one of many when arriving at the collegiate or professional level. My guest on this episode, A.J. Murray, was the Gatorade Baseball Player of the Year in New Jersey in 2011. His accomplishments at Westfield High School helped him earn a scholarship to Georgia Tech. However, as a freshman, A.J. managed to secure only 12 at-bats in what was a very difficult transition to the next level. In episode 20, A.J. discusses his challenges as a freshman and why he decided to remain at Georgia Tech despite having opportunities to transfer after his freshman year. A.J. went on to a successful college career and was ultimately drafted in the 15th round of the Major League Baseball draft by the Minnesota Twins. A.J. talks about the persistence required to become a successful college athlete and how those lessons have translated into his current career as a business executive. I'm excited for this conversation. Let's build your foundation with AJ Murray. Hey AJ, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Michael? I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on and joining me. Uh, for those for those people listening, can you tell everybody a little bit about about who you are? Yeah, so my name's uh, AJ Murray, of course. Um, I was a professional baseball player for about three years with the Minnesota Twins organization, the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, before that, I went to school at Georgia Tech. So I played four years at Georgia Tech um, under head coach Danny Hall down there in Atlanta. And then I'm a Westfield, New Jersey native. So um, I believe my brother has been on this podcast before. So um, that's really my my sports background. And from there, right now, as a professional, I work in the, the technology world um, for a public safety software company, I'm doing a lot of project management work and consulting. Um, but for the most part, you know, that's my background um, professionally and both athletically. Awesome. So growing up, were you were you a multi-sport athlete? Yes. So um, always growing up, I loved playing football and baseball. Um, my dad was a very good basketball player. So as a family, we always played basketball together. But always, probably up until freshman year of high school, I was playing three sports year round. Okay. And so at what point did you start to focus on baseball as sort of your primary sport? It came around my freshman year of high school, actually. Um, I was always three sports right up until then. And then my last game as in freshman football, I actually broke my ankle on my last run of the year. Um, so that automatically took out basketball um, from the mix in the winter. And then once my sophomore year hit, that's when I started to get a little bit more attention from college coaches. So um, the winter time was really dedicated to training showcases and getting ready for the spring. So at that point, did you drop did you drop football from your uh, athletic career? No, I kept football. Um, much much against some of my father's with it, wishes, just to, you know, obviously for the the injury proponent of it. But I kept football. I played that all the way through senior year, um, varsity for Westfield. So I did not give up football. 
Nice. Yeah, I played football in high school too. I loved it. It oh, would have been best. hard to give up. Point. It's the best. It, it's the best. It's a great team sport. It really, it really is. is. I mean, as compared to baseball. Yeah. So, so tell me about that though. You said you know around sophomore year you started to get more attention from from college co- coaches. What did the what did the recruiting process look like for you? Um, in the beginning, it was a lot of you know physical letters. You know, them sending. Uh, mm-hmm. There's correspondence to say if you want to come to our recruiting camp, uh, see the campus, and get to know the coaching staff. So that was the initial round of starting to get recruited. Um, having a brother and sister, which I'm sure we'll we'll get into mm-hmm. um, throughout this discussion. But since they've been through the process, I had an idea of how it worked. Um, mm-hmm. But mainly it was letters, um, emails to the degree that the NC NCAA allowed the coaches to say, but mm-hmm. mainly. You know, letters, camps, um, visits, and showcases where they would come by and you know watch, but not give too much information yet. Okay. So, at what point did you start to get offers, and what point did you commit to Tech? I um, that was my junior year, so um, I was getting recruited and had a lot of interest prior to July of my junior year. I went to Perfect Game, uh, the World Showcase there in baseball. Um, and I believe it was the first week of July. I was playing down in East Cobb at that Worldwood bat. And um, I had been to Georgia Tech just with me and my dad walking around the campus. Um, I knew them because my brother played them at Wake Forest. So I was very familiar with the with the school. And they offered me the first week of July. Um, they When I was at the Worldwood bat, they said I would like to come on campus, see a tour. Um, a formal tour, not me just walking around campus and poking around. but. Uh, <laughs> After that, they sat me down and gave me an offer, and I committed on the same day they offered me. I had I had a gut feeling, which uh, I wouldn't recommend everyone do, but uh, I committed on the exact same day, and then that was my July of my junior year. So at that point, did you have other offers? I had hints of other offers. It was the first week. Um, I had a few other offers from different schools and was talking closely uh, with Wake Forest, Maryland. Um, I had been discussions with like North Carolina and Virginia, uh, but ultimately I went with my gut pretty early and saw the opportunity at Georgia Tech and, and, and ran with it. That's really interesting. Um, so what was it about Georgia Tech that sort of landed for you? Like, what was your, like, how did you make that gut decision to say, Hey, this is my first offer. I'm going to take it and go with it. It was um, it was definitely an in the moment decision. Um, I spoke my I, I and I had my mind. You know, I knew the schools that were coming at me. Um, I kind of knew the ballpark of where the offers were were, were going to be as far as percentage wise, and um, mm-hmm. I knew each of the programs. I mean, my brother went to Wake Forest, so he had a very good understanding after playing with people, talking with them um, about what each school was like. So even going into the decision, I had some background knowledge. Uh, but ultimately, it felt, you know, I really connected with the coaches. Um, you know, I read the media guide. I, I did some research, and I knew the players that came out of Georgia Tech and the caliber that they were. So uh, mm-hmm. to me, that was, you know, where I was going, even if I didn't know it yet, just the, the caliber of uh, the school, the athletics. Um, mm-hmm. So once they offered me, I was like, all right, we're, we're, we're aligned there. That's that's really interesting. But you're right. I mean, think about the players that came out of Georgia Tech before you, Nomar and 
Veritech and yeah. I mean, there's so many really great professional players that came out of the program. I mean, that's got to help in terms of the credibility, right? And, and, right? and the academics, like we talked about before, right? That combination, um, it would be pretty easy to sell somebody on it, I would think. Exactly. It's a combination of all three. And yeah, for a lifestyle, like Atlanta is a, is a great and growing city. So that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, played into factor. And um, I wanted to go away for school and get somewhere different. But uh, all three of those together made a great combination and, you know, overall great experience at Georgia Tech. Okay. So, so after you committed, right, obviously you're still in high school and you still have to play baseball, right? Like, what did that look like after you committed? Like, did that change the way you approach things? Never. I, I will admit it was kind of a a lift off my shoulders, like having been committed and going through that. Because mm-hmm. it, it is a very long process and there's a lot of unknowns while you're going through it, um, mm-hmm. where you're going to end up or what offers are going to come in, if any are going to come in. Um, so it was a big weight lifted. And then from there, from a process pers- or my preparation, nothing really changed. Mm-hmm. You know, playing the game was a little bit lighter. But for the most part, you know, I went about business the exact same way. Um, maybe with a little bit more confidence too, because I think every baseball player, especially who plays you know, summer baseball, who's trying to get recruited, there is a lot of pressure that you put, you know, on yourself to, to get to that level. And as a competitor, naturally, you're going to feel that time and time again. But um, even after committing, I, I always felt um, the desire to push forward and you know, continue to progress, even though one goal was already yeah. accomplished. Yeah. No, it comes up a lot, you know, when I talk to to high school kids that I work with or people on the podcast, you know, it's just the idea of like now, especially there's so much competition and there's so mm-hmm. much, um, you know, pressure, you know, to, to get, you know, committed right. to get an offer. And if you're, if you're uncommitted and you don't have offers coming your way, I think a lot of kids, it weighs on them really, really heavily. So right. in your case, like, would you say the pressure was sort of more like just general or like, did you feel it when you were actually on the field? Like, did you ever catch yourself being like, oh, I have to do this or perform this way or else? It was a combination. I had pressure on myself and pressure is a loaded word. I, I feel like sometimes sure you know, I, it was just a big goal and we put a lot of hard work and yeah. every player goes to that. So you want to hit that goal and you want to get to the best school or get the best offer or, mm-hmm. um, just be able, I think, in general, to pro- prolong your career. But on the field, you know, it, it's hard not to play, especially um, when you're in the field and see everyone behind you at the big tournaments, like the perfect game showcases. You know like what schools are there. You can see the hats. You can see the scouts. Um, so naturally, you will look up and be like, look sure. at all this opportunity. Um, so you really have to prepare yourself and get used to playing in those situations because – realistically when you go to these schools if you get the you know unique opportunity to play at a big division one school or no matter what there's always going to be someone watching you um so it's a big testing ground but there is pressure involved of course but uh luckily for me being a catcher most of that was behind me so i could focus completely out on the field yeah Absolutely. Right. You're in the game. So it's really hard to get distracted because you have to be on, on top of your game, especially when you're catching guys who are, you know, throwing 
90 plus miles an hour. It's really yeah, hard yeah. to, you, if you lose your focus of attention, you're going to be in trouble. Right, right. And you play your best when you're when you're in the game too. Like that's when your best yeah. performance is going to come. If you're thinking about who's in the stands, what they're thinking, what mm-hmm. schools, you're not going to perform as well anyways. Yeah. I mean, that's something I talk to athletes about all the time, you know, in terms of what they can and can't control. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that that's something that takes practice for some people. I think that, you know, there's just a natural inclination to sort of think about all the stuff that's surrounding them versus just Definitely. saying, hey, let me just focus on one pitch at a time or one at bat at a time and not get caught up in all this other stuff because it's always going to be there. I can't get rid of it. So mm-hmm. why focus on it? But um, so I, I, I think I probably knew that you were a catcher, but did you transition from behind the plate in college? I did. So I caught um, all through high school. My, my freshman year, uh, I did play the outfield a little bit for Westfield. But going into college, my freshman year, I was a catcher. But uh, we did have, I believe, a year ahead of me, a very good, you know, he, he was a third round pick, um, all American catcher. So I did transfer over to first base. I played a little bit of the outfield, DA. So really anywhere I could get in the lineup, knowing that. You know, we had a solid backstop already. Um, mm-hmm. So I went from catching in college or in high school to basically just trying to find a spot in the field to play my first yeah. year of college and even throughout college. So that's that's a good segue, right? So like, I mean, the, the, the theme of this podcast, the point is to kind of talk about that transition specifically, right? So obviously there's a lot going on that first year. You're, right, you're leaving high school, you're going, you're leaving home. Mm-hmm. going to college, right? Just as a student. And then you, obviously you're a big time athlete. Then there's this whole element of like, now you're switching positions, which I'm sure didn't help. I mean, can you just talk about like in general, what that transition was like to go from Westfield to, to tech? Yeah. It, it's a big transition uh, for everyone. And you know, when you're 17, 18, you don't really know you're, you're in the moment. So a lot's happening around you. You don't really mm-hmm. uh, think about all these things until you get to you know the age you are now. Um, like 10 years later, but moving from Westfield to height or from Westfield to Georgia tech, I mean, it was a big transition, you know, showing up on campus, having that first meeting in the locker room. Um, you know, you're, everyone's used to being you know, the best player, one of the best players on your high school team. And you get to college, no matter what college you go to, everyone was probably the best player on their high school team in their state. Um, so the room is filled with, you know, you can call it teammates and competition because it is very competitive once you get there. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, you know, you're leaving home for the first time. Um, schoolwork is a lot different. Like your, your daily life is now instead of being regimented schedule of nine periods a day that we had in Westfield to different class structures. You have to, you have to get to class yourself, find your way around um, and also live away from home. So it's a lot of changes all at once. Um, all very exciting. You know, of course, it's the best time of life, but uh, it was a big transition because I went from, you know, A.J. Murray, who was you know, going to hit third in Westfield's lineup and catch every game and had that like security and to, you know, back to competing for a position on a team that you know was established, was you know, a big time ACC program um, and find your way and really almost have, not scrap in a way, but get yourself you know noticed and in the lineup again um so it's a very different dynamic from you know high school being one person uh transitioning to college and kind of earning your stars again yeah what was i mean what was it like for you like if you think back to that year when you were sort of in that underdog role now which was 
completely foreign at that point, I would imagine. Like, what was it like to kind of adapt to that for you? It was, it was a big growth period for me, honestly, because I had, I think I had so much security and, um, in high school being this player and like I knew performance was there. I hit, you know, my brother was a five sixty height hitter in high school. Um, so that was like my ceiling. I had to get somewhere to there. I hit five forty. So like failure and like, I was above the failure point at that point, which is an interesting thing in baseball, but you know, with New Jersey baseball, we have so many great players. I know like one great player that I played against in college uh, was Mark Zagunas and he hit like six fifty in high school, which is a ridiculous average. Um, so transitioning over to tech, um, the, the biggest transition was, you know, getting my mindset in place where now we're facing you know, really good pitchers. They have a lot of good, you know, obviously velocity breaking stuff. Um, so the mental aspect of the game and being able to come like all the challenges of, you know, learning a new system, um, learning the new process of college baseball, of a, you know, the, the student life lifestyle. Um, and being able to still perform on the field. Yeah. So on the mental side of it, I'm just curious, like this is, I mean, obviously sports psychology and mental skills training has sort of evolved in the last 10 years and is very, very prevalent at every level now, quite frankly. I mean, professionally, for sure, you probably have some exposure to it in the twin system and the brewer system at, at some level. In college, was that a thing? Like when you were in college, did you guys have any sort of mental skills training? It did. We had, um, Georgia Tech was great at this. Um, they have what we call the total person program. So, um, it was a, a conference for all the student athletes to come in, no matter what sport you were led by, um, a Georgia Tech alumni. And that was where you went there. You did your personality test. You learned more about like your own traits, um, your work style, uh, both, you know, of course for sports performance, but also for, uh, for academics and hopefully a career one day. Um, so that combined together, um, in this total person program. And then we had, you know, sports performance coaches and psychologists come in um, and we, we do work, workshops. But from there it was really once you got that education, the implementation, the execution was really, you know, it had to be personal. It always is. Yeah. Um, but we did have the resources in place to start moving that around. That's awesome. So I know, I know you told me this, that your freshman year you had, 12 at bats. Right. Mm-hmm. And interesting enough, I saw your brother this week and we were talking about that and he was telling me that he was like sort of encouraging you or at least brought up the idea of get transferring out, but you decided to stay. Yeah. Can you talk about that? I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, uh, I actually didn't know if I was going to talk about it, uh, today. It came up on my mind, like what we're we going to talk about. Um, cause my freshman year was, it was very different for me because I did have 12 at bats. Um, I wasn't getting a lot of playing time. Those 12 at-bats, you know, I think people who have been through college baseball, especially as a freshman, they're at-bats at the end of the game, typically. Um, you, you warmed up three or four hours ago. So they're not like, you're not in the game getting true at-bats. But at the end of the season, I was set to go to Harrisonburg and play in the Valley Baseball League for summer ball. Um, and my brother, my dad, of course, had a great relationship. Um, with the Wake Forest coach, and there was an opportunity if I wanted to to, to transfer out. Um, but me, I I really loved my team at Georgia Tech. Um, I personally did not feel like I needed more than those. 12. I think I didn't. 
I didn't play up to more than 12 at bats. I think there were great players in front of me. Um, I knew my performance and how I worked over the fall, how it transferred into the spring. And I did get some opportunities early um, to start a few games as a freshman. But at the end of the year, uh, I still I felt confident that those 12 at bats were what I should have gotten. Um, I wish I got a little bit more, but it didn't warrant you know, taking away the opportunity of the next three years ahead to build and to grow and to really fight to get into the lineup. So it was um, taking like a safe decision to try and go somewhere else. That's a, that my brother and I, or my brother, and my father and I were talking about, but I knew like Georgia Tech was the place for me and I, I was hungry to like fight back to get into the lineup. I, I, I personally, I love that, you know, and I've talked about this with, college athletes, freshmen who have had a rough freshman year. And, and I always sort of encourage them to bring it back to what, what's the, what's the point here, right? If you want to play professionally, right. And if you're in the ACC, there's at least a chance that that's a a reality in the future, right? right? It happened for your brother. It happened for you, right? There are a lot of guys who come out of a a great league. Um, So that first year, yes, it's disappointing, I would imagine. But at the same Mm -hmm. time, like you still have multiple years grow and develop to the point where if the goal is to play professionally, you've got time to get there, you right? Do. You just don't have to up and move um, right away. And I think it's admirable because I think now with the transfer portal, with the way things are in every sport, people are just, they're just bouncing around. What do you, yeah. what do you think about that? I, I mean, as you can tell, my decision was, was to stay. So I, right. I, I don't think it's a great decision. Um, uh-huh. I, I wouldn't recommend it whatsoever just because this game is such a process. And if you don't understand that process, no matter if it's, you know, working to get into a, you know, starting lineup, um, working on a new skill to get better, you can't just jump to a better situation because it it feels, feels like the right move at the time. Um, Yeah. So I think most young players are looking for like, where can I play? Where can I play now? And, And they lose kind of why they're playing the game in the first place like it really isn't mm-hmm. about where you are who you're playing for um and i think you can get lost in that whole world whereas like embracing the challenge of like fighting to get a spot um working hard and, and like really challenging yourself to like think in new ways so i i i would encourage people if, you, if you're in a tough situation where you don't think you're getting enough playing time you know stick it out fight for a new role uh, and work your way back in the lineup. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I think the I, I think the word you used a couple of times, and maybe you just said it there, but you said it before for sure, is opportunity. And I think as somebody who played high school baseball for multiple years as a starter, and then I didn't go on to play in college, like mm-hmm. I look at people like you, and I go, like I would have killed to just put a uniform on and stand in yeah. the dugout, yeah. right? And I think I think people lose perspective about, like you said, why they play, like do you really love baseball so much that it doesn't matter? Right. Obviously yeah. everybody wants to perform and contribute. I mean, we all feel that way if you're a competitor, but at the same time, it's like, well, you have this chance, like a lot of people don't get. Mm-hmm. And so I think there is this element of like thinking too much about self and like, what's in it for me versus like, Hey, what am I getting out of this? And like, what's the bigger picture here? Exactly. Yeah. It's a great point. And you can only learn that through going through, I, I think, Everything's right. an opportunity. It's a great opportunity to play for your high school team. Um, moving into college and athletically, your high school team is truly like really your last team that you'll play for. In in a weird, you know, if I 
I know it's a podcast, but my, my finger is moving in quotation marks. <laughs> air quotes. Uh, yeah, air quotes. It's a, it's a weird way to put it because yeah. you're still on teams. But, you know, in college, everyone's from different places. You know, you're not trying out particularly, but you're fighting to get a spot. And, and it's a different um, organization. And then once you get to professional, like, it's your job. It's an opportunity. It's the best opportunity in the world. But it's very much like you're fighting each day to like keep your position to, to progress up. Um, and all of which is an opportunity at, at your hands. So I think that's the best word to use. Yeah. So, so talk to me about freshman year ends, you kind of get past the decision to stay, you're going to stay put. Like, wh- tell me about what happened from the end of that year until your sophomore year. Like, what did that look, that look like that, yeah. that jump to the next year? It was probably like the biggest growth stage that, that I had in college that freshman year um, into sophomore, mainly because I, I had to look back and be like, hey, I had 12 at-bats. This is not like I wanted to come in here, you know, start as a freshman. I, I had big goals. Like, what did I do wrong? Like, how can I get better? Um, and what do I need to work on, um, mm-hmm. both physically, on the field, skill-wise, and, and mentally, of course, because you need, you need all three things working in unison. Um, and when I look back on my freshman year, I took like an honest look at the time I was six, one, maybe 230, 235 pounds. So I was big, um, in good in decent shape, strong, but you know, I did not feel, you know, very athletic and mobile behind the plate. Um, my swing didn't feel, you know, as sharp, as whippy as it did in the past. So I felt like I had to, you know, get in better physical shape you know, like lose weight, um, like still keep strength, but be, flexible, um, be mobile in a way that I could really, you know, maximize, mm-hmm. you know, what we work on because Georgia tech at the time and still does have a very great strength and conditioning program. So we're all strong dudes working. Um, but it made me realize like I need to get in better physical shape and mm-hmm. hopefully you know, affect my performance. And then preparation wise going into games, I need to get back to like some of my grassroots, getting to the field early, taking extra batting practice, focusing um, more on getting ready for the actual game. Now that in summer ball, I was playing every day. I was back to playing every day. It was a great opportunity to get in a routine, um, catch, like learn the game, um, and really segue into the fall and compete for, for starting position. Yeah. I mean, that's a really, and listen, at that point, you're still only probably 19 years old. That's a pretty mature point of view, because I think that it would have really been easy for you to lose motivation, right? After that year, first year where you're like, oh, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting a chance or like, I'm not as good as I thought I was, right? Instead, you kind of leaned into it, so to speak. And Mm -hmm. you said, okay, this is what I need to get better at. And I think that that's what it's all about. I think that's really, really cool. So just kind of talk to me about the progression from sophomore year to the point that you sort of finished up there. I mean, I'm not going to ask you to get into too much detail, but what did the rest of your career look like? What was the trajectory into the point that you, you went on to play pro bowl? Yeah, it, it shot up after that. Honestly, um, that transition point uh, was the culmination point of college. Um, I got in really great shape. I really found a swing that I was comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, and my fall just exploded like physically um, I got very strong. I, w- I was in great shape, but also on the field, I, I felt very confident. Um, I had a good summer playing. They moved me over to first base. So after that, my sophomore year, I played all 64 games at first base, um, hit around fifth or sixth in the lineup. 
and ultimately had like a very good like comeback year to mm-hmm. um you know establish myself in the in the lineup but overall otherwise like our team was excellent um you know kind of started to take on more of a leadership role at the end of the the, the sophomore year just because anytime you transition out you have your juniors and your seniors oh, getting training okay. or leaving um and moving into my junior year i became more, much more of a utility you know getting the lineup type player i dh um, i played first base i started catching a little bit more um and then i think that was really where more of the skills the soft skills of being a leader um working with the day-to-day of managing mm-hmm. you know the younger guys coming up mentoring them but also like working to you know win an acc championship get to the regionals get the college world series um then my senior year they put me back behind the plate for about um i think i caught 20 games um and the difference between my senior year and the first two which got me to pro ball was that my sophomore my junior year and i'm my MO in high school is I was a power hitter. Like I hit for home runs, I hit for doubles. Um, I was a run producing hitter. And my sophomore and my junior year, I was putting up good numbers, but my power numbers weren't quite there where the scouts were looking to give me a professional opportunity. Um, and luckily at the time at Georgia Tech, we really did a lot of work at you know, maximizing my swing and really getting the ball in the air to drive the ball um, and openly open that opportunity to play professionally. So my, my senior year was my best year. Um, I hit about 280 with 15 home runs, um, and I was catching again. So that, that really brought my draft value up. Um, so I attribute that a lot to like Georgia Tech giving me that chance to go back behind the plate just because now it's turned into catcher university. Like There's a ton of great catchers coming out. Yeah. Um, but that catapulted me um, into pro ball and established myself as you know someone who can still catch and has, you know, a lot of games left under the knees, um, but also <laughs> can put up the power numbers that, you know, professional organizations are looking for. So, so where is that, or uh, not where, I mean, they're coming from the scouts, but how is you, how are you getting that feedback? I'm, this is just me being curious, like from the scouts, right. Or from the professional teams are saying like, Hey, you need to be doing more of this. Are you getting direct feedback or is that just sort of like intuition? Like, Hey, I need to be generating more power or like, what does that look like to get that feedback? Yeah, it's a good question. And it wasn't direct feedback whatsoever. Um, it's mainly the people I had above me and, and around me. Um, one gotcha. in my family, like my brother is by far, you know, I think he could be the commissioner of major league baseball with how knowledgeable and how much he does now. Um, so I put that out there for him. Um, and my, my father, of course, uh, got drafted and played and understood the game. And then all around me, like Georgia Tech, there's professional players coming back and using our facilities. So the conversations are flowing all around. So I had a lot of guidance coming in. Um, Not that it gave me extra pressure, but it helped everyone align to get me to a certain point um, of where my value was and where the opportunity was going to come. That's where all the conversations were, were based around. Gotcha. That makes sense. Um, was I'm just curious, was launch angle a thing then? It was, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I went through the area. I think that's the most fascinating thing to track, like the, the swing progressions. Um, I, I haven't been doing too many lessons or, or been around the cage too much, but launch angle was a thing. Um, I think I graduated from the backspin era, like getting down on the ball um, to getting more lift, which was that. 
era of baseball. So yes, I was the launch angle at the very beginning of launch angle. <laughs> nice. So you were drafted after your senior season. Yes. I was a senior sign. Okay. Okay. And so t- talk to me about, about that transition into pro bowl. What is that? What did that look like for you? It was, um, it was another big transition. Um, just because much like moving from high school to college, now you're going from college, which is like a very established you know, routine. You have a lot of resources behind you. Same thing in professional ball, but very different um, to being on your own. Like this is your career. You're, you're finally getting the opportunity to um, get to play professional baseball. But again, you're starting at ground zero. Like once you get drafted, you go into short season rookie ball and the process start, starts all again, like the climb up, which is, the most exciting part but you know it's a a big challenge Um, and now you're not only competing against great players from you know that state in georgia or the country coming on the team you're fighting you're playing against people from all around great high school players great college players great international players Um, so the pool of who you're competing against to rise up you know increases and also the level of play just skyrockets the you know, now you're facing, you know, every drafted pitcher from the best college teams every night, their bullpen, you know, everyone's coming out throwing hard. Um, the coaching style is different. The lifestyle is very mm-hmm. different. So it is, I would say, a much bigger ten or a very big transition from college to that, to that and taking a lot of personal responsibility for your career. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas in college, we had a ton of resources, you know, a strength coach, your nutrition coach, you had your teammates around you, you had a great mm-hmm. support system too. Like you really on, on your own, you know, mm-hmm. making your own career in baseball, which is the coolest thing ever, but it still is, you know, a very big challenge that um, needs a different mindset and, and work ethic to achieve. Yeah, it's a job at that point, right? And, and you know, you, you hear the stories about minor league baseball. I know guys who've played in the minor leagues, you know, riding the buses and not making a lot mm-hmm. of money and, you know, bouncing around, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's gotta be hard, you know, on a a day-to-day basis, especially if things aren't going your way. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, go ahead. Yeah. I think one thing I failed to mention um, during my college years is that in in the summertime, I mentioned Virginia, but I also had two summers uh, up in Cape Cod. Mm -hmm. Um, So my sophomore, after my sophomore year, I played um, under coach Schiffner for about five to 10 games on a 10 contract. Um, so I didn't play a lot of summer ball after my sophomore year. And then I, I went home and <laughs> that's when I started to work on my swing um, mm. with my dad and my brother um, going into my junior year. And then after my junior year, I put, went back to Chatham and had, I think, an awesome summer. Um, both, you know, statistically, I hit over 317. Um, I was a Cape League all-star. Um, so things were just clicking. Everything felt good at the plate and that transition into senior year. Um, but Coach Schiff and like Chatham in general, um, a lot of great players have flowed to that program. That is where I test a lot of like being able to handle that transition because they do treat you very much like a professional there, mm-hmm. much like our college program. Um, so the Cape really prepared a lot of like the mental processes um, along with Georgia Tech like handle that transition a little bit better. I think in my opinion that I just wanted to swing back to before we got on the professional route. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that, that's helpful, right? Like just to, 
to be put in an environment that's more similar to the professional environment, just have to, to have exposure to it mm-hmm. ha- has to be a help. Right. Right. Um, and one thing I was thinking about, and this is kind of, uh, this is kind of an indulgent question for me, but was the, was the Cape league wood bat? It was. Yes. Okay. Can you talk to me about the transition from aluminum metal to wood bat? Because I started playing wood bat as an adult. Uh-huh. And I swear by the fact that I feel like kids should play with wood because they have to learn how to hit the ball square, yeah. barrel it up. When you hit, when you miss hit the ball with wood, it's a totally different game, right? right. So can you just talk about that transition? Because I'm just I'm curious as to what that was like for you. Yeah, it's a great question because high school they we did use wood bats in the summer league. That's a thing um, mm-hmm. that we had, and then. The wood bat from college, when I was playing college, it was the beginning of BB core um, where the bats were getting better, but it was still very different from what we were using in high school with the old uh, BESR bats. If anyone, I know the fresh, the kids these days don't know much about BESR, (laughs) but it was like hitting with, you know, a Nerf bat almost. Right. Yeah, exactly. Which is why they they definitely should have changed it. But um, yeah, the wood bat transition teaches you like, I think how to be a hitter, like a true baseball hitter, just because mm-hmm. it's not as forgiving as the, as the metal bat. Of course, um, you really feel the ball hit the bat more than you do, of course, on metal. And it teaches you, you know, your swing, your deficiencies, um, and opens you up. Of course, you know, if you get jammed with a wood bat, like that thing's flying out of your hand, if you hit one off the end, like these are all things you can physically feel in your hand. Um, that you really have to hone in on your swing and, and get down to the nitty gritty of what's working and what's not. Cause you need to, it's a very finite space to hit a baseball on the barrel of a wood bat. Yep. So we agree on this topic. I was just curious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we definitely do. I'm, I'm a wood bat so, fanatic. I am, I'm a huge proponent. Um, mm-hmm. And I love playing with wood bat cause it was just a much truer game. And it was a lot of fun to learn how to play. Like, again, as an adult, like, I feel like I learned how to play baseball at 25 playing with yeah. a wood bat because it's a totally different baseball game. And that was yeah. fun. It was fun to learn. And that, for me, like, the opportunity to play, once I got started playing again, it was like, I'm having fun. It wasn't for money mm-hmm. or it wasn't for anything. It was just to play baseball. And I, I really dug that. And I think yeah. that, you know, it's something that a lot of players, you know, they think their careers are over. And a lot of guys come back to baseball after and they just, they love it. So, Right. That kind of is off track, but that's just I had to go down that road. Um, no, I'm a, anyway. I'm a I'm a baseball naturalist, so like if you if you're ever in a rut with baseball, you can't find <laughs> joy in like hearing the, the, the fresh crack of a wood bat or like a good pine pine tar on a wood bat is like heaven to me. I don't know what it is, yep. but the aesthetic, the smell, the feel, totally. there's nothing better. <laughs> totally. So how now? How long did you play professionally? I played um, about three seasons, so two with okay. the Twins um, and my last year with the Brewers. Okay. And ultimately, what, like, what, how is that, to, how, how is it to make the decision to move on from professional baseball? It was difficult. You know, it was progression over time. Um, with the Twins, I had about two good years. And then my, my third spring training, things just weren't, weren't really panning out. Um, mm. you know, I wasn't hitting as well. I, I didn't get the opportunity to break camp. So I stayed in extended spring training and then they eventually released me. So I had a whole nother 
um, you know, choice ahead of me. It's like mm-hmm. I've ended, you know, two and a half years. Not really how I wanted to end it with the twins. I still had college, about twelve credits left to finish um, mm-hmm. and get and graduate and get that done. Um, but ultimately, the, the Brewers came back and called and gave me the opportunity to go up to their Double A team to you know, catch bullpens, um, be kind of a reserve player in case, in case anyone went down. And it didn't pan out. So um, at that point, I, I was ready for a transition. Um, I felt like it was time to you know, explore different realms um, because you know minor league baseball is very it's it's a grind. It's the best opportunity in the world, but you're playing mm-hmm. 140 games a day. You're riding those buses. Uh, you're making you know, minimal money uh, trying to support yourself. So it is a challenge both during mm-hmm. the season and in the off season to you know, support yourself and live. Just because, as everybody will know, like life only gets more expensive when you when you leave home mm-hmm. and ha- have your own career. Um, so all those decisions were coming in, uh, which led to like pursuing the going back to school, still staying in shape in case an opportunity came up, but but joining the professional realm. So ultimately, I mean the last stop didn't work out, but ultimately it was your choice sort of to move on. Mm -hmm. It was, I was in a, you know, I was in a good spot with the brewers. They, they invited me back to camp or I think they were going to invite me back to camp, but it it came down to my decision at the end of the day. Um, at the time felt like it, it was a good transition point, but it is, uh, it was a different different experience that um i was expecting probably at the end of my career yeah so tell me about what you what what you what you started to do professionally or what you do professionally now that you're out of baseball yeah so it was um that transition out of baseball and it happens for everybody no matter if it's Mm -hmm. you know after high school after college after professional everyone's going to have that moment in time where it's like this is no longer part of my Mm -hmm. life um, so it was, you know, a big eye-opening experience. Like what's next? You know, baseball's mm-hmm. literally been my life for the past 20, 20 years, you know, 18, 20 years. Um, and it was difficult. I, I won't lie. It was difficult to like find something that you're as in tune with, as you're passionate about. Um, and I think that is the biggest challenge of college. It's like, really honing into baseball, but also branching out and finding, you know, passions and, you know, academics and, and topics um, that I would recommend a lot of, you know, parents and kids put emphasis on, not just only on, on the baseball side, but I wanted something, you know, outside of sports. I wanted to challenge myself and, and find an industry. And I, I stumbled across, um, you know, this company I'm working for now called Mark 43 and Glassdoor um, to start up. Um, a lot of their attributes that they were saying they, they held as a company um, were a lot of things that I held myself to as an athlete. And it was the opportunity to build, um, you know, a company from the ground up and work on a team. So the mission oriented um, nature of work that I do is for public safety. So we work with first responders. So mission critical, like high pressure um, software that we work with. So I found a job as a sales rep at that company. Um, because athletes naturally, you know, we always get sales opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're used to working with different people and adjusting. And of course, have a good work ethic. Um, 
so I got a sales role. And since then, you know, I did that for a couple of years and then transitioned to more of a consultative um, internal implementation role for our software. So a lot different from catching you know, 95 in the heat in Florida um, towards <laughs> behind a desk on a computer. Yeah, but I think you're right, though. The sales environment is very, not very, but is definitely analogous to sport, right? In the sense that it's very competitive, it's very performance driven, right? You kind of mm-hmm. motivate yourself and you sort of make your own way and find different ways to solve problems. Whereas, you know, maybe a less, you know, sort of a more traditional role where you're sort of like doing the work, so to right. speak, tends to be a little bit more, you know, not as maybe interesting or fun, but I think it's really cool that you're in the startup environment. I, I've always gravitated to that. I've worked with startups as a consultant and I mean, I've got my own business where it's just me, but I, I think it is really cool to work in an environment where you're building something from the ground up and mm-hmm. it's mission critical, right? Like you would, you align with the mission versus just kind of showing up for a paycheck, which obviously money matters, like you said, but yeah. at the same time, it also, it's great if you can work in a place where you believe in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So uh, just a few more questions before, before we wrap up. Um, did you ever give any thought to staying in baseball? Like after your career was over as a coach or in some capacity? I did. And uh, I stayed in it for a while after that. While I accepted or in that in-between period, I was doing you know lessons. I was working camps. Um, of course, okay. my brother has um, his teams over there in North Jersey. So I was helping out in those practices. Um, and then once I got into the, the swing of things in the professional world, you know, schedules change, travel sure. goes up. Um, so it took away a lot of the time during the week that I was going home, um, doing lessons at night. But I stayed in um, in sports for probably about a year after I was playing. Mm-hmm. And then okay. as work got more busy. Um, but now transitioning um, into a new role that I have more time, I do have that hunger to get back out there um, and find some local players to work with but um i think my brother takes a lot of that on between the two of us thankfully mm-hmm. um but i would like to personally i'm, I'm going to I, I know this role that i'm in the company is probably the next two years i will wind my find my way back to baseball um over time yeah and you know listen as a father who coaches baseball i i would say that if 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 it's ever in your your plans to have children and and you coach baseball as just a volunteer coach it's it is by far one of the the greatest things that you'll do mm-hmm. um you know i just i love it especially because there's so many kids who like they just play baseball for fun you know it's not a job it's not oh i want to play in high school or college it's just like they show up to play and teaching that mm-hmm. to kids who really you know, who are just there to learn is really a fun thing. So, I mean, I, I hope for it to come back into your life at some point, you know, in some capacity, because it's, it's really great. So I guess looking back on all of it, right, like specifically the college time, like what was the most challenging thing for you as, as, a, as a student athlete, right, that transition, but also just sort of managing that, all those hats and, and, that you wear as a, as, a, as a student athlete at a high level? Yeah, it's... Um... The challenge was it's really a full-time job. I think mm-hmm. everyone hears it time and time again. Um, there's a lot of high expectations of you. You're getting a great opportunity. Um, and it's managing like the day-to-day and being consistent because you are waking up at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. to go work out. You have an 8 a.m. you know hour lecture that you have to go through. 
Um, all the while, you have to mix in your own meals, find your way to get around, and then get to practice on time and make sure all your homework and all your schoolwork's mm-hmm. done. And then you're keeping in touch with, you know, friends, family, girlfriends at the time. So there is a lot in the melting pot that you're just not used to. So for me, it was consistency and getting a routine. You know, that only comes with time and experience. You know, freshman year mm-hmm. is a lot different than my sophomore and senior year where, you know, I was living in the dorms with roommates, like on your own mm-hmm. for the first time versus over the years, getting an apartment, getting a roommate. By the time I was a senior, I, I felt like I was, you know, one of the older guys at 22 or 23. Um, but, you know, I was much more prepared, I think, from my freshman yeah. year to my senior like waking up in the morning, having meals prepped, having everything ready to go is something you just learn throughout, you know, your freshman mm-hmm. senior year of how to manage like everything around you and your schedule and demands, but also just managing yourself. Because at the end of the day, like you have to be present, like time is going to go by very quick and mm-hmm. you have to control, you know, everything in your own life and, and make it your own. Yeah. So if you had to give one piece of advice to a student athlete, high school kid who's listening to this or their parents, like, what would it be? Like, what would, what would your advice be about preparing for the transition from high school to college athletics? Mine would be, um, just do what excites you and, you know, fought or trust the process because, mm. and be, I think you have to be present, you know, Everything, everything from in high school, we're taught to think like, what's next? Where am I going? What am I doing? Kind of miss what's right in front of you and the opportunity at hand of like today's game, today's opportunity to to play and enjoy um, enjoy the game just for the game itself. Mm-hmm. I think you, you mentioned that before. So I think that's the biggest thing is not losing sight of your why of what you're doing and why you're who you're doing it for and why, which you know you can only get from experience and time um for me like i think my my brother definitely talked like we lost our father during my junior year of college so like Mm -hmm. that forced me to like look at why i was playing the game um for what reasons and like brought me back down to earth from being you know big division one you know program um and those demands just like what am i doing here like why am i playing so Mm -hmm. to players and to, to parents like look at the opportunity at hand and take advantage of it. Like you get four years to go to a great, hopefully a great academic school. You're around people. Um, you're going to meet new friends, both on your team and outside. You're going to learn a lot of new things about yourself, um, open up new doors professionally, new relationships that are truly going to last a lifetime. So when you look at your decision to go be a college baseball player, you're making a much bigger investment and decision for your life than anything else. Cause it's, it's four years, but it's four years that are going to kind of drive the course of where you're going in life that I don't think is thought of when you're 17 or 18. And I'm sure parents know this. I'm not a parent, but I'm sure it's in the back of their head, but it is a, it's a big decision that I think you need to really hold true to because sometimes it's not always the big school that's going to make you, happiest or it's going to give you the most fulfillment um and i think i learned that in the professional world playing for the twins and the brewers like there was a pitcher on the twins he didn't play in college he went to a liberal arts school and then started playing men's league softball and 
got a contract because someone found him in the men's league and he's you know on the same field as you know that the catcher from florida state the pitcher from vanderbilt um and the you know 18 year old uh, kid from the dominican republic who has been in the system for mm-hmm. three years so the opportunity like you don't have to be in one place to get the opportunity that you think you're you're going to get. Trust the process. Enjoy the game for what it is. If you play and you love it, results will come and opportunities will follow. So I think that's the biggest thing. Don't follow on where and what and this. Focus on why and get back to the roots. That's great advice. And it's also a really nice way to end. So AJ, I want to thank you for coming on to the podcast. This is great. I can, talk about baseball with you i'm sure for hours if we could mm-hmm. but uh I, especially I don't with that <laughs> exactly with all right man i appreciate you coming on and uh take care of yourself i'll talk to you soon all right thanks for having me have a great fourth you too thank you so what was your biggest takeaway from my conversation with aj murray for me it was that stepping up in competition for any athlete is very difficult even the most gifted and decorated ones AJ demonstrated humility and a growth mindset when faced with challenges during his freshman year of college baseball. He could have opted to transfer into a better situation, but he stuck it out at Georgia Tech and was ultimately drafted into professional baseball. My suggestion to high school student athletes would be to focus on the process of self-improvement rather than comparing yourself to others. Further, the grass isn't always greener on the other side as the saying goes. Persistence through difficulties can pay big dividends long-term. I want to thank AJ for his kind generosity and the wisdom he shared with the Freshman Foundation community. You can follow AJ on Instagram at AJ underscore Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y. You can learn more about the Freshman Foundation on our website at freshmanfoundation.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you back for episode 21. Mike Huber is the founder and owner of Follow the Ball Coaching, located in Fairhaven, New Jersey. He is a mental performance coach and business advisor dedicated to serving athletes just like you reach their full potential on and off the court. The Freshman Foundation is all about helping you get to the next level. For more information, follow along on Instagram at The Freshman Foundation. Please subscribe. Give us a like on iTunes, Spotify, leave a review, tell a friend. Most importantly, come back in two weeks, ready to get better.